The strangers were coming, as they did every Thursday night, to bring a burst of color into our plain home. I circled the dining room, checking each lantern to be sure there was enough fuel inside. June's sunlight streamed through the windows, but by the end of dinner, we'd need the lanterns to brighten the room and help the guests find their way back to their cars, parked in a crooked row on the lawn behind our buggy. How many strangers are coming tonight? I called to my mother in the kitchen. Visitors, Eliza, not strangers, my mother said. We'll be having eight guests tonight. I tried to settle my jittery limbs as I folded a napkin beside each plate. My head was filled with thoughts about what the strangers would look like, and how many holes would be in their earlobes, and how many colors would streak through their hair. My mother always scolded me that these guests were coming to dine on a simple Amish meal and take a peek at our lives. She didn't want me to be peeking at theirs. They live in their world, and we live in ours, she would say, as though that would satisfy my curiosity. My mother and I had been busy in the kitchen all afternoon, preparing roasted chicken and mashed potatoes, and the air in the house was thick with cooking smells. I walked around the table, setting the silverware neatly on each folded napkin. Then, pitcher in hand, I stepped through the arched doorway that connected the dining room and the kitchen. Is everything ready? my mother asked, plunging the masher in and out of the fluffy white potatoes. The English will be here in five minutes. The table's set, I said, carrying the pitcher to the small pump mounted on the side of the sink. I pushed the handle up and down a few times until the cold water gushed from the spout then pumped the handle more slowly until the pitcher grew heavy in my hand. Back in the dining room, I filled the glasses before my mother and I made two trips to carry the piping hot food to the sideboard. I watched my mother as she arranged the serving dishes. She's never said so, but I had the feeling that she liked these stranger nights. While she lit the two candles that stood in the center of the table, I tried to see her the way the visitors would. Her brown hair was twisted into a severe bun that pulled the skin taut around her gleaming silvery eyes. A white bonnet, called a cap, sat on top of her head, the two strings untied and draped over her shoulders. Her dress was a dark gray, contrasting with the crisp white apron tied around her waist. Looking down, I smoothed my own apron and fingered my bonnet strings. My dress was blue and slightly rumpled, but otherwise my clothing was identical to my mother's. Sometimes visitors would ask about our clothes, and my mother would explain how our dresses are sewn in a uniform style. A square neckline, three-quarter sleeves, the skirt settling just below the knees. The dress is fastened with snaps because buttons are considered fancy and are forbidden. Our clothes are plain, and so are we. A car door slammed, and the murmur of voices reached me from outside. My mother nodded to me in her serious way, and I went to my usual spot beside the table while she greeted the visitors at the front door. They came into our living room as they always did, eyes round, heads downturned a bit, as though trying not to stare. 
I saw a woman with short, choppy hair scanning the books on the wooden shelf. Another woman brushed her fingertips along the back of the rocking chair, her red dress swaying as she walked. Then Mr. Allen, who owns the inn where the guests were staying, led the group to the dining room table. Mr. Allen isn't Amish, but he knows our ways. He brought the idea of these dinners to my parents a year ago, and since then he has been a weekly guest at our table along with the visitors. The guests filed to the table in a quiet, orderly way, their eyes taking in the cherry wood furniture that my father had made with his own hands.